The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by a AmomentWithMorris.com and BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z.com. Uh, Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Peace and blessings, family. Coming at you with the newest episode of the Say Something Podcast. Say some, say some, say something. That's right, addressing everything going out of here in the life, in the world, in the traffic out here in these streets. In these cold, 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 cold streets, baby. <laughs> Added a remix to it, dog. There you go. We come at you every week. Talking about everything out here in life. We're bringing episode number 53 to your face. 53 to your face. Highlighting and showcasing a special individual. Dedicate this episode to. Like I said, doing a little different. You know, not just sports folks. But folks I think who need a little shine. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's more than just athletes out there. I I, I like to hear sports things. But go ahead. I mean, we only going to. There aren't triple digit jersey numbers. So we was going to run out after a while anyway. You think we're going to get that far? We'll get over 100 episodes. We're 53 right now, so 53. we're doing all right. I keep moving forward. Uh, shout out to, on, on the side, and a special love and support to a particular individual. Uh, beloved, not only within the community, but the world over. You ain't never heard as much as a blemish about this individual. Uh, Tiger Woods. Nah, it's a woman this time. An actress, singer, and stage director. Emmy nominated. Uh... She's done a bunch of work on Broadway, multiple plays on Broadway, uh, and working her lineage, not only was is she well documented and decorated, but her mother is a Pulitzer Prize nominated artist, poet, playwright, and scholar. Mm. Her sister, also talent runs in the family, is an artist, dancer, choreographer. She's a TV uh, director and producer, uh, three-time Emmy Award winner, multiple Lifetime Award winners and Achievement Awards. That's her sister. Uh, was noted on the at the NAACP Awards was in 2010. She was named the mother of the African American community. She's uh, most noted for her role as Claire Huxtable from 1984 to 1992. Uh, so shout out a little love one time to Miss Felicia Rashad. Well, you don't keep having me clap. I'm gonna have my hands fall off. Man, man it makes it personal. So in real genuine love. How much is a sound system, man? Man, it's, those noises, it's so man. much better than a clap track. Oh. It's so much better than the clap track because it's real. It's real. As I, I think that you know, like I said we did the first fifty episodes. We were highlighting men in sports, which I think is great. Some of those dudes was unsung dudes. Some of them weren't all you know front page that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. But I do believe, like I said, in in the fifty that we did, we didn't acknowledge any women. And I think that we've had people who have been influential in the community and in family life and day to day life. I think they need a nod too. And Felicia Rashad, that was America's mom. Yeah, that she wasn't just was like my mom because yeah. I didn't have one. So I shout out to her. She was a replica of what every black mother should have been, or could have been, or would have been, or what we wanted if you didn't have that. Yeah, strong black woman, great prototype. And 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 the lineage. Her mother was just uh, profound as well. Mm-hmm. Like I said, scholar. Uh, just was creative, instilled so much uh, respect and dignity, and, and, and instilled that in her kids. Her d- sister is uh, Debbie Allen, and depending on how old you are for how you remember her, if you're a little longer in the tooth, you remember her from fame. Yeah. Uh, not so much. She did uh, produce so many. If you got a little bit older, she was um, on set producer and uh, put the shows together for a different world the show that followed the Cosby show. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she's been involved in the, so you think you can dance that show and a bunch of other dance stuff, as well as uh, leading dance schools across the country, helping to get young black boys and girls involved in the arts Mm -hmm. as, as an outlet, as opposed to some of the other activities they were falling into in these certain communities. So, I mean, just that lineage of women is, is is great. And I think that what Felicia Rashad represented for uh, not only young black girls who were looking at, but, but boys, you know, like, like, okay, that's, that's how it's supposed to be you know i think that with that that family structure was was important at that time period you know late 80s going to the 90s height of the crack era where you see a lot of real world representations that don't look like that to be able to see that on tv i I think was uh profound and Mm -hmm. was a pretty big deal uh lot going on since the last time we was together we just had the uh third annual manhood mentoring conference yeah right official yes out here in sacramento want to give a, a, a shout out and appreciation to the fruit ridge community collaborative out here in sac for allowing us to use the facility and to all the speakers that came out to uh 
brother Donald Butler to a Harrison Anderson, Gino Rogers, mm-hmm. and, and everybody that was involved. So I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, beautiful blessings. Um, you know, good job yourself. Um, and just just those moments, I think we miss out on giving value to those moments, right? Being able to talk to those young men and being able to start working that mindset. I think some of the young people, as I've said to them so often in the messaging that I'm not a dream uh, crusher, I'm just a reality booster. And I think some of them live in this uh, fantasy land, which is understandable because, you know, we all have this idea of what we want to be, but how hard are we willing to work for it and how committed are we to what we say we want to be, right? And I think channeling in um, that inner uh, super human strength that they have, I think is important because those young people are going to redirect the future of this this world. So we got to get them in the correct mindset. So it's always positive doing that. It's the third year for us going in and doing that. But um, what kind of troubled me was the number of young men that didn't have fathers in the household. That yeah. kind of puzzled me. You know what I mean? And for the fact that me being in my daughter's life, being a full-time parent and still, uh, I won't say parenting, but advising her now, you know, still being in her life at 21 years old because it doesn't stop. Yeah. It, um, it's frustrating because a lot of resentment and key components of how to become a man, they miss that from a man being in a household or not even being in a household, just being around. And yeah, it was like, on a consistent okay, basis, yeah, yeah, it was not only that they're not in a the household, they're just not around. And that's just with all the statistics, though, I know certain statistics are skewed that there are a lot more black men being involved in their children's life overall. Yeah. yeah. True. It's still um, that small portion that aren't in their lives is detrimental to overall um, the black existence, the black community, and how these young men become men in the long run. Yeah, because we did a little poll. And I was sitting there talking to him, kind of gauged what the room was like, asked all the young men in the room to raise their hand if both of their parents were still together, and only one hand went up. Mm. And then I was like, okay, well, some of these kids are young. I said, whose parents have been together in the last five years? So maybe, maybe they just recently broke up. And one kid, I tell him, I was like, look, we got you, we got you, you want to put your hand up. The, the only kid whose parents were still together was the son of one of the speakers at the event. All the other kids who came in, all the young men, all of them are single parent households. And it, sh- it I'm not going to say it shows, but it it's, it's definitely affects them. And it's not a knock at all. And I say that all the time that if your son has issues with that or your daughter from a single parent household or any situation, it's not a knock on the parent. You know, if, if, if you're a single mother raising your kids and your son is having issues transitioning or your daughter's having issues transitioning into man or womanhood and they don't have their other parent, if they develop some issues about that, that's not an indictment on your ability as a mother mm-hmm. any more than if you're a father raising your children alone. It's not an indictment on your ability to be a father. But there there is a reason why there's two. And a lot of these young men, they were speaking in some of the places that they were coming from. You know, one of the young men was like, I'm just angry all the time. Yeah. You know, one of them was like, I, you know, just felt lost at times. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them, it was kind of we had to have a kind of pull them aside, have a little bit moment later. Uh, we did an exercise where we had to address what we all wanted to change about ourselves. And he said, uh, I, w- I need to stop my parent, my family from fighting as much mm. like he was 11 or 12. And he had, uh, in his mind, taken on the task because he felt the responsibility that the reason why his family fights so much is some way tied to him mm-hmm. and that it's his responsibility to fix it. Like, there's a lot that goes on. You know, these kids are taking a lot on. Yeah, I mean, and I just think um, for me, like I said, being a parent and uh, being a liaison in the community um, with our youth, high school, middle school, elementary school, kindergarten, whatever, um, just watching the behaviors and just knowing from where I was rooted in, even though I was Billy Badass, I was more or less a, a kid that was kind of lost, didn't know what he was doing. And really, a lot of the things that I was doing was really innocent, like not understanding mm-hmm. principles of what 
I'm doing could affect me 10 years later, right? Yeah. It wasn't ingrained the way it is now, but just remembering how I was on, and in my friends as well, a majority of us at least, we were really on our campaign. Like, I'm not going to let my parents find out that I'm bad or I'm doing anything wrong, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to be um, as slick or I'm going to be, uh, not going to say nonchalant, of course, but I'm going to be um, cautious enough to do what I do but make sure it doesn't get back to the home front. And nowadays, it doesn't seem like these kids even have <clears throat> any caution to the wind. It's like, we're going to do whatever, and what's going to happen in the household ain't going to be nothing where I was petrified. Like, yeah. it was, my situation was, I get caught doing something, I may not go home, because I'd rather have my parent get worried about me, right? Because I knew if I came home and the dad got the phone call, just it's just going to be it's going to be bad. And it yeah. and it was many moments like that. So I was, though I was a mischievous kid and I did certain things, I was definitely in fear of my parents, my aunties, and my father were pretty much the ones that raised me and my brother. But nowadays, the scope of it, I look at it. I go to these schools. These kids are, you know, spewing out curse words in the classrooms. Um, they're walking around with no shoes, and you don't even know who the parent is. In a lot of these instances, right? Yeah. You know, you got fifth graders um, throwing up gang signs on the IG, wearing gold fronts. And I'm not. I'm all for individuality, but the reality of certain things. You and I both know where that's leading to, right? Yeah. And where that's going, and what kind of image some of these kids are trying to put out. And a lot of these young kids who are coming up now ain't from any of the soil, ain't from any of their core, don't have any friends, ain't relatives. No one's connected, but they're still connected because of social media and the simple fact that I don't think enough parents put their foot in their kids' ass. And that's not advocating beating kids because. One, there's one thing to discipline and there's one thing to abuse. I think I got a little bit of both, right? No. But it's another thing to really be on it in your parenting routine, in your advising your child, in your supervising your child to let that child understand that you represent not only yourself, but you represent me. Yeah. So if you're acting like an asshole, you're being disruptive, you're being disrespectful, one not only are you embarrassing yourself, but you're embarrassing me. And then society is not going to take on bad behavior. Like, you know, you've got a lot of these kids that move as if when I get older, someone's going to accept that behavior. No, no woman's going to accept it. No job's going to accept it. And no real people that you start getting around with, um, whether you call them your friends or not, are going to accept behavior that's not only aggressive, but it's disrespectful, right? Yep. No one wants, I don't have time to hire someone that I'm looking at that, first of all, they know everything. And secondly, don't want to hear any kind of direction. How do you survive? And I think a lot of our young kids, and I'll say African-American kids, we are so influenced by social media, um, media, and what our entertainers do to such a degree that we forget that's not real life. That's almost a fantasy land in a sense of those young people and those older people that are doing what they're doing, they're playing a certain role and they're getting paid for whatever role they play. You cannot turn that in unless you're willing or have the talent to create that into money because some of those folks have. You cannot believe that you're going to move through life being um, despondent disrespectful, defiant on every degree and think there's going to be no consequences. That's just not the reality. Yeah. Well, now social media, the Internet has replaced put your kid in front of the TV. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the old days where, you know, just just set him in front of the TV and, and, and that was your babysitter. Well, now the difference is, is just put him in front of the cell phone. That, that, that's your babysitter. And they get all this influence. And if they don't have somebody in the house who's showing them what that looks like in real life, you'll start seeing if you if you put a little kid in front of cartoons all day the old school cartoons you know where they're hitting people with sledgehammers and dropping safes on everybody and that's all they see and there's no people that they interact with you can't be surprised at all if they hit you with a hammer you know what i'm saying like that's what they're used to seeing that all of a sudden becomes the norm so if there's nobody in the house showing them no this is what real life looks like what you're looking at in your little screen that's just entertainment mm -hmm. that's that that's a free movie 
You know, Instagram is a free movie. Mm-hmm. Snapchat's a free movie. It, it's just it's just TV on your phone. That's, it's like watching YouTube. It's not real. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these kids don't get the real world representation. You know, I've said it before. Like this right now where we're at these last five years is the first time that two generations have ever been so close. Yeah, too close. And so where we're at now, a 15 year old and a 35 year old are the same. And so a 15 year old boy and a 35 year old boy, pretty much a 35 year old boy, 35 year old man are watching the same movies, listening to the same music, playing the same video games, dressing the same. Like there's no separation. Whereas before there was a clear cut line like like I can think back to growing up. I'm roughly the age now that my father was then, you know, growing up to, to, to teenage years and stuff. There is such a definitive difference mm-hmm. between, you know, me as a teenager and my father when he was damn near 40. Yeah. Like clear cut. Yeah. Like they, it wasn't even close. And when it comes to, you know, worrying about being afraid when you get home. Uh, back then where I grew up and similar to a lot of us, you know, some time back, the school was <coughs> in the middle of the neighborhood mm-hmm. and everybody in the neighborhood knew each other. So if you did something on your way home from school, there have been three, four phone calls to the house before you even got there. Because the neighbors are, you know, calling your mom, calling you to, hey, you, you know what your little boy's out here doing? You know, and by the time you got home, there was real world repercussions. Mm-hmm. Now it's cute. Hearing your three-year-old cursing, put it on the, put it on the gram, that's cute. You put it on IG. You yeah. put it on said, Facebook. You, said, you put it on the gram, that's cute. That little video of, of, of him grinding behind some grown woman, some little four-year-old grinding up on some woman behind, that's cute. You know, him throwing up gang signs and repeating, you know, whatever he saw and acting like he's drunk or holding the bottle up or letting him hit the blunt at six. That's cute. Yeah. All that stuff's cute until he's coming home in the back of a squad car or you got to come up with bail money Mm. or he's 14 and got somebody pregnant. And let's not think that all this stuff happened yesterday, because, of course, there were there's always throughout history. There's been um, young people acting more grown and more sophisticated. Um than need be but i think what's lost here now is there's no set guidelines there's no rules there um i don't think there's really any real true advocacy to figuring out you know one what our young people need and two what our parents need right when you say that there is just such a close gap right to um you know the children of the day and the parent of today i mean you're totally right it was unheard of of me even thinking about I'll get to an age one day where I'm going to party with my dad. Like that's not yeah. even wasn't even a thought that ever came to Let's my go, mind. Go to the club together. Now it's like, yeah, that's, you know, me and my, uh, 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 you know, what I'm saying uh, daughter is at the club together. Right. Not not that I do that, but yeah. these are the things that happen and folks can do as they want. But I think that frustrates me is there's more images of dysfunction than there's images of function. And that's where the problem lies, where we have, um, you know, shows like uh, what's called Real Housewives and Love and Hip Hop really transforming the attitude and behavior of our kids and parents not checking in to kind of dilute that behavior yeah. and say, yo, that, I don't know, let's real. talk about that, that ain't yeah. real. It's almost kind of like when hip-hop was first emerging, my father and I used to have debates about the music and what it stood for and some messaging. Yeah. Are we having these messages or these conversations now or you and I both bopping our head right to the music, right? It's yeah. not like my dad had his music, what was um, Haitian tunes, 60s, 70s and of course we had our hip-hop and you know probably maybe um later 80s right and early 80s of r&b kind of define differences but there's not and that to me is a bigger issue when i walk in rooms and i cannot find out who the parents is right when when a child can look at their parent and see behavior that's just the same as their 16 year old 17 year old 18 year old counterpart that to me is a problem. It's a problem when another adult cannot talk to a child and help that child for just some some simple correction where the child becomes so inflamed and so upset 
because the child has never had anyone be able to talk to them or correct behavior because it's not done in the household. Yeah. That becomes an issue. And going along with that is, and then when you do it, even the parent of the child defending the child. Oh man, that's even worse. Like if you see the, the kid out of pocket and you're like, hey man, you know, knock that off or hey, man, you need to cool with all that noise or turn your music down or whatever it is. And the kid getting upset rather than the parent of the child being like uh, addressing the kid. Yeah, we need to turn that down. We'd be more respectful of others. The parent takes that as a slap in the face to them about, oh, are you trying to parent my kid? Mm-hmm. Oh, you call me a bad parent? Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't tell me. Don't tell me how to raise my kid. And all of a sudden what that does is it only co-signs to the kid. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Negative behavior. You know, and then it says to the community, don't get involved. Exactly. And so you have adults who now reach the point where they're half of them afraid to talk to these kids. Yeah. You got half that just don't want to. Yeah. And then the other half who are afraid. They're like, I'm it ain't worth it. Like I'm just I'm on my way to work. I'm just trying to go to the grocery store. I'm trying to get some gas. I am not about to risk uh getting an argument, a fist fight, some cases shot, depending on where you are, over trying to talk to some kids about their music being too loud. No child with an attitude of Kmart should have brand names like Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and on until we get to a level to where our child's brand names on their asses is less important than our child's attitude in the classroom. Till we get to that point, we are going to continue to go on this road, this this very destructive road where all this does is become a cycle of um, unfortunate behavior and it's going to create more uh, young kids with the same problems. That's why we can't break out of this cycle of dysfunction because it's just generational. It's just been passed on, passed on. And um, just to finish off the piece, parents, my advice, stay in your kids' business, stay in their shit, understand what their uh, social media is about. If they have social media, uh, make sure you have passwords and pass and, and, and you know secret passcodes for it. Um, I think there should be a certain time that a child should be on social media should just be and, all for yeah free it should for be all. like freaking 15 or something like that and then when they are you know you have to have these conversations because um as we all know parenting is one thing outside influences peer pressure you know which i was highly influenced because i had structure um in my home for the most part i was uh, more influenced by peer um interactions but at the same time what my parents did was a lot of not giving me insight kind of gave my mind to wander and the curiosity of like, whoa, who here is this? Um, always continue to speak to your child and speak life and speak truth to power, but also be that example that you want them to be. And at the same time, because my father had structure and my, you know, um, idea of what it was, was what he embodied. I was able to, when I came back home to visualize of my reality like that's not my reality this is my reality these shoes don't fit i already knew what it was because my father was an example of that yeah you have to be at the end of the day the example the actions of your words play a critical part because you can't just say words and actions don't meet so understand your children are always looking and my advice to a lot of parents you always have to have a gradual movement of advancing your life with my daughter she has seen me from the bottom to move to the top and she appreciates that like because it's not i'm not staying stuck in one place and i'm not trying to engage in negative behavior like she can remember when i used to drink when i was she was younger right but now knows i don't drink at all yeah we have to be able to really understand our kids are always watching we need to be in our kids shit and not only be in our kids shit but they friendship and understand no is the most powerful device but with no also explaining why and then man don't try to have someone else parent your child and think that society is going to help you do it yeah because it it, i think that's a great point I, i mean if you don't and one thing if you think your children aren't on social media they probably are I, I can't count how many times I hear from oh my kid don't have a Snapchat my kid my kid don't have the Instagram then you get to search and like oh never mind uh, and I think that that's true too with talking about your examples like I looked at like my father was a uh, uh, split down the middle so what the principles that all of us got is because my father worked all the time mm-hmm. like got up early in the morning uh, he was a garbage man retired garbage man and he was also uh, he worked he would work sporadically as a security guard whenever he needed to make some extra money 
And so we saw every day, you know, we could hear him getting up in the morning and, and you know, coming home exhausted with the overalls on. And, and we saw him work every day. Mm-hmm. There are some life lessons that he tried to teach to us verbally that didn't stick because his behavior didn't follow him. Mm. But all the, the visual representation stuck with all of his children. Mm-hmm. So th- there's times where, where people, you know, man, he's not this or he's not that. Sometimes just the sheer presence of that parent, just watching them. There's a lot of, you know, visual lessons that get taught. You know, all of my brothers, everybody works like you. you lazy and Morris are not two words. To go together. <laughs> I, I, I can tell <laughs> they're, not, they're not two words to go together. That's an oxymoron. Like we all work insanely. Two jobs is standard for, for Morris's. Like we, my grandfather worked all the time, father worked, uncles, brothers, like every, we just work. We just work in people. But we all see each other doing that. And, and I think that that visual representation is huge. But then also if we back that up to where we get to some of these households, uh, identifying how we got there, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we were talking a little bit before we got started. There was a quote that I, I something I was listening to was the uh, Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And so I, I like to just tap in and listen to some of his stuff sometimes. And, and I don't agree with 100 percent of his points and views and I'm not Muslim. And but there's a lot of stuff that he speaks on that, that I think he, yeah. he's right on right on time with. And uh, he had said something that it was a quote that he got from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And he said that uh, no nation can rise. Uh, a, a nation can rise no higher than its women. Mm. And I started thinking about like just on a, a household level. To, to, to truly like a nation, a country, to what the world looks like, you can kind of gauge what's... I can gauge a man by how he treats his woman. Mm. Like, if I see a dude who, when, and he's in the presence of his woman, the way that he treats her, and especially if it's his wife or they have children together, that tells me a lot about him. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a person that you made a commitment to, this is a person you have a family with, and if you're disrespectful to her, you know, I can already kind of gauge what, what you'd be like if we're talking about business or trying to be the homie or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that where we're at as a nation, we show in extreme disrespect to our women. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like we, we do. And I think where we're at when we break that down a little bit more as a culture, as a people here, as Africans in America, how we have treated our women here is horrific. You think so? I, I, and this is, of course, this is some, not all. So we're, I think that there's men out there who are loving, <coughs> compassionate to husbands and fathers and great in the community in advance. I'm talking about the other percentage for how we got some of the problems we have. Mm. You know, the highs are highs, but the lows are lows. low, you know, and, and the total disregard for, for, for some of our women's feelings. The idea of uh, just because we have a baby together don't mean we're anything to each other. <laughs> You know, don't you think that's passed on? Like, well, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just talking about the behavior. Okay. So not that, that. Not that we originated you, but, with but, this. Okay, but what do you think the behavior stems from? Then? So I, I think multiple levels. So part primarily with with Africans in America, slavery a huge key, huge big key, time, huge key, because there are behaviors of African Americans that are not consistent behaviors of Africans. So there are some things that we do here that we don't do everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you have to say, OK, th- there's some stuff that is specific to this history. Not all Africans were affected by the transatlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, so so uh, there's a difference between those Africans and where they ended up versus where we're from. But when we start speaking about America, you know, 400 years of separation, of oppression, of abuse, of all these traumatic incidences to an individual is, is horrific. Then you take a mate. You know, you go back to the slavery where families were specifically broken apart. Yeah. And even when you get past that, some people are like, oh, man, that was years ago. Let, let, let's just go to more current history. Okay. You know, if you're not on that part in my father's lifetime. So if you're not talking about let's not go back to to, you know, the 1800s, early 1900s, my father's lifetime. My father was born in 1950 in his lifetime. Uh. The, the the treatment of black segregation happened while he was in high school. Yeah. Like when he was a freshman to a senior is when blacks and buses to where, OK, it's OK. Like yeah. like that happened while he was in high school and whites 
drink here. Black yeah, yeah, that, that that happened during you know during his teenage years. And when you start separating and belittling and berating people, disrespect them every time you leave the house, every time you leave, there's a negative narrative set about you, and people treat you as such. You come home and treat the people closest to you a certain kind of way. You know, you abuse the people. Uh, the the two reasons why most crimes happen, like when they got murder or major abuse, is uh, passion and proximity. Mm-hmm. The people you're closest to, emotionally and physically. Mm-hmm. Typically, your significant other. You know what I'm saying? Like when when you start dealing with all these stresses of the world and all these problems, and you start taking it out on your mate in that scene in front of your children. Yeah. Then you have a government that stepped in during the uh, Lyndon B. Johnson era. Where they came through because, Purposely. yeah, well, well, white women wanted to be freed from their quote unquote master, where white women wanted to get away from white men and to get their numbers up. They involved black women in the white feminist struggle, mm. you know, a, a, a role that black women didn't have because in the entire time they've been in America, black women have never been oppressed that way by black men. Mm-hmm. There's never been a period of time where black people, black people, male or female, could ever stop anybody from doing anything. Yeah. We couldn't stop you from voting, couldn't stop you from opening businesses, getting loans, opening schools. We, we ain't never been able to stop anybody from doing nothing our entire time here. And so black women joined up with white women, but the stipulations were different. During the Johnson administration, where they wanted to start getting uh, welfare, started getting assistance, getting you know food stamps, whatever, uh, black women were the ones that had to get rid of their man in order to get state assistance. <laughs> they used to send the social worker to the house. He look, they look under beds, look in the closet, make sure there was no boots, no jackets, yeah. no sign of a man on the premises in order for the black woman to get any her benefits. They didn't do that for white women. And and I think folks don't realize the huge impact in that. Huge. Like, and I think sometimes when we go at systematic issues, why folks. Um, like myself and others raise that 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 bell to clearly say, well, the reason why this is happening is because, well, 10 years ago. And that's why we always always talk about, you know, you and I offline or even on air. We're talking about the 10 year game plan. We're always talking about the marathon. We're not yeah. talking about the sprint. We're talking about the long, the long game, game. As you yeah. like to call it. And folks don't really deviate in that mindset because they're like short term thinking, but not understanding that the way. The system is the system, and the way people are oppressed is not because it just was some clear law that happened in 2018. Yeah. This shit goes back, and that that right game. there <laughs> is such a critical piece when you sit there and you break it down and you analyze the relationship between the black man and black woman, how it's become so dysfunctional because of some things like that. Yeah, because – so if you're saying – it says two things. One, to the black woman uh, – if he's not acting right, Uncle Sammy got you. So if, if I put you out, I'm not on the street because that's what the case was before. Like like if I, there were women who stayed together with men because they had two, three, four or five kids. And if she got rid of her husband, she just out there to fend for herself. Now this changed the game to where if you don't like him. You can put him out and Uncle Sam will keep a roof over your head. Uncle Sam will put money in your pocket and Uncle Sam will put food in your refrigerator. So that changed the dynamic. And once you make that deal, you can't go back. So it's like if you want to keep this assistance, he got to be gone, gone. (laughs) So then that changed the dynamic in the relationship. I don't need you anymore. The value of the man in the household shifted. Go ahead. You, you want to run the streets? Go. Well, I mean, but then I think that um, to sit there and look at the argument of or not even argument or just the conversation of black men treating black women the way they treat. Yeah. I think some of that resentment is black men looking at black women like you don't really need me. Maybe you need me for one thing. Yeah. You know, pipe game. Well, you know what I'm saying? Lack their other. But I think that's a con- constant struggle with the black man and black women because I remember – a lot of the black girls that I was trying to get, and you know, when I was younger, they would they they were attracted to, you know, the drug dealers, the hustlers, yeah. and those kind of boys, the, the gangsters, and so of course, you know, I embody that, right? You know what I mean? Whoever's getting some, whoever's getting some, I'm going to embody that, yeah. right? So I think it's like almost this unfortunate um, tug of war that we have constantly gone through, and then in the same sense, not really understanding, reflecting. The beautiful um, differences of the black man and black women and the beautiful differences of how 
we as black folks, um, and I know like some of my people that listen and they don't want to hear black because they like we're not black, we're more. And I get it, yeah, I yeah, understand yeah. it. So, I, I always use quotations. You yeah, I know, I, black, I, I, and I get it. Trust me, black, for the sake but of just discussion, for the sake of it's yeah. just we we'll, we'll, we'll piece it that way. Yeah. That you have so many different colors, so many different um, nationalities within your own culture, right? Yeah. Uh, with black folk that we unfortunately don't get to learn unless someone is teaching us because we're not getting that in the schools right we're not getting the empowerment that we need to understand like dang that black woman is beautiful yes that black woman is beautiful because she's my mom and she's my auntie but outside of that right yeah you start seeing and i and i and i and i look at this as one of the things that i wanted to talk about um and one of our, our podcasts later on uh, down the line is white hero worship. We're fed certain white individuals. Like remember when back in the days, what they fed us in Playboy magazines, as we all was looking at that, was this skinny white girl, Farrah Fawcett, yeah. The, and don't get whatever, me wrong, the, Charlie's Angels yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. happy to see them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The Marilyn Monroe's. And to this day, you still have black women running around with Mel and Monroe. That's why I put out on BlackBlueprints.com with a Z on uh, my Pram, Pam Greer line, right? Yeah. Um, Shouts out to uh, Foxy Brown. You start seeing certain images that start messing with your psyche as well as all the instruments that the system has already laid down, the yeah. foundation. How easy is it to break the souls and mindset of black men and black women on how they value each other and how easy, they deal with each other? Easy, because when you start the day at, you know, call it fourth, you start off at third and 15. Like, that's that's every drive is, is third and 15, third and 17. It's not a rap, but it's difficult. So it doesn't take much. One bad play can, can, can just say, if you say we got a punt and just say an effort. Like it just doesn't take much. So every if every time you leave that from the second you leave the house, the old days was once you walked out the front door, that was the world. Mm-hmm. And the world had all these images of you, all these ideas, all these influences. But you came home to a structure that kept you grounded. You had mom, you had dad, you had grandma, granddaddy, uncles, aunts, cousins. That was your foundation. And then that built up your your resistance to the world. Mm-hmm. Now we're in an age where I think the parents have to be mindful, too, is the game has changed. So it used to be I remember growing up, it was three stations. And I remember it was a big deal when they added like 58, 40 and 31 out out here when they added um, Fox and whatever, whatever those other networks are, depending on where you live. Um, Before it was just CBS, ABC, NBC. And then you started getting those other little stations. And then you started. But that's very minor influence. And back then, it was a big deal when we got this 13-inch black and white TV in our room. Huge deal. You know, like our Huge grandma deal. gave us an old one and we got one in our room. And that was a big deal. We actually had a TV in our room. Like the external influences were minor. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't know what was going on in the world till you walked outside. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now your kid is in his room or in her room with a Knows cell phone. Everything, the weapons of mass destruction. And everything is coming right into their hand in their room, in the other room, and you in the house with them. And you have no idea all the stuff they're getting exposed to. So the game plan's got to be different. Yeah. You know, the, the defense has got to be different. And all those, they're getting all this information, and then they still have all the external pressures. You can't be laxed. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's real easy to fall into because we don't have the home structure we used to. <clears throat> we don't have the two parent household. Grandma ain't babysitting shit. Grandma's still trying to go to the club. Yeah, she would, yeah. You know what I'm saying? She's yeah. trying to get her second childhood. Because she put so much into grandpa, and now grandpa's gone. Now she's found out that she's missed a lot of things. Yeah, well, you got to remember, too, grandma is in her 50s now. <laughs> Keep it, keep it 100. And you know, black don't crack. Man. Exactly. So, you know, you got the teenage son or daughters, 12, 13, 14. Mama, you know, 30, <laughs> 31, 32. Let's be conservative. 32, 33. Grandma, 57, yeah. 55. Still out there with a drink at her two-step at the grown and sexy party. Yeah. So, but can you can you watch the baby tonight? Nah, I'm, I'm going out tonight. I'm out here doing my thing. Yeah. And... That's your responsibility, not mine. I didn't have the kid. And so for us, I think as men in the community, we have to get past so much of, I always reference like movie quotes and songs. That's how I remember things. There was a line from the first Jurassic Park. 
Remember that, that first one, Jeff Goldblum, he went on the island, they were recreating the dinosaurs, then everything went wrong. And he looked over as in the middle of all this chaos and stuff, and he said, everybody was in such a race to see if they could that nobody ever stopped to think if they should. Mm. And I think that with us, we have so much opportunity as men that a lot of us are getting what we can get because we can mm -hmm. and not refraining or falling back. Because we because we shouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, we have to understand all these systemic issues, all these historical issues, all these things that that can make it easy to, to just be, you know, walk away. You know, there's a system that allows you to walk away. Yeah. You know, as much as people talk about child support and talk about it, it is a very easy system to walk away from. You know, I, I know brothers that are paying. Like two dollars in child support. I know dudes who pay more for their cable than they pay for their child support. <laughs> it's like for real. Like their cable, their, their cable hookup is more than their child support payment. So uh, it, this system will allow you to bounce. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then we got dudes who were supposed to pay fifty bucks a month who can't get a driver's license because they wouldn't pay that. Exactly. You know what I mean? I I just think that the way that we we have to 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 come back home. You know what I mean? Like, like to 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 value and, and to come back and appreciate because, like I said, a, a nation won't rise higher than how it treats its women. Mm -hmm. And if we want to start rebuilding, you know, we got to look at the way that that we treat ours. Yeah, I definitely feel like you know that's definitely a component of um, really getting it right is definitely treating our women um, in an appropriate way, appropriate manner. And I'm I'm not going to be one to preach and say I'm the perfect guy. And on that page, I think there's a lot of issues, you know, I think that men, we just go through. And I think particularly it's not about sometimes not about treating them wrong. It's just sometimes I feel like, you know, with black men and I'm speaking on black men because I know it, it's a men problem. But I'm just yeah. going to talk about yeah, black yeah, men because yeah. we know men just do what men do. Yeah. Um, that the lack thereof um, men holding down or um, being able to. Uh, you know, deal with certain women, whether they're incarcerated, brothers turning fruit, you know what I'm saying? So many different, so many different, right. and I know folks don't want to hear that, but that's the truth, that there's so many more women to the ratio of men, Yeah. right? And uh, a brother get in a few relationships, doesn't rock well, it's kind of like, man. And then the other option of having others, right? Yeah. We talked about it before, like so many different black men and women, uh, but just let's look again with the black men, being able to date outside their race and, and yeah. be okay where before it was like looked like mm, you doing what yeah. now you know you seeing a lot of biracial kids you know you have a lot of black men dating latinos you have white folks asian it's all across yeah so it's almost like ha huh some do it because they feel that dating outside of their race will put them in a different definition of class yeah. um some do it of course for um, selfish reasons and some do it because guess what I don't know how to gel with my own people because I was maybe raised around white folks or Latinos yeah. that's just what I know yeah. right so I, you can't be mad at me for dating uh, uh, an Asian girl if I've been around Asians you, you grew up in Chinatown yeah <laughs> so you can't be upset with that so w w what we um, are more appropriate in our culture and it doesn't necessarily mean black culture my brother dated an Asian woman, yeah. and you know he's in a, going through a divorce right now. But his family was Asian, like yeah. he wasn't rocking with his, his, his family right here. Yeah. Like he took on that. I thought it was dumb, and he's learning that he needed to do a better. Yeah, family. you can't just abandon. Yeah, you, you but, but he literally yeah. because our structure started to become dysfunction. We got cousins here, we got cousins there. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and we just have um. A multiple uh, 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 different facets in our family that is just subject to like, God, Lee, what, what, who's the lead here? He just said, I see a structure here. I see family uh, uh, um, family values being enforced here. Yeah. I'm going this way. Yeah. It becomes dangerous when you do that. But there's all folks that but you can do understand. That. Where yeah. I'm not, it was a Chris Rock. I'm not saying you should have did it, but I understand. Yeah. So, so in a sense of me loving the fact that you know black love and all those things, I'm not. I don't have that fight because I've dated outside my race. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm of course I've dated more um, sisters in the last you know some years. But if we vibe, right? Yeah. 
can you really be upset with a person? And this goes into a whole different realm, I know. Can you really be upset with a person that is, yes, all about their blackness, but they vibe hardcore with like a Latino that understands the struggle, might not understand the black struggle, but, but gets they, the struggle because yeah. they have been through some shit too, but you guys connect in a certain click. way. I've it, dated women across the board. Yeah. And across the board. Yeah. <laughs> across the board. By the look of your face, I, I across I the board. It, it's a two parts. One, I think when I talk about black men and women being better and black men treating women better, that's not necessarily your relationship. Mm-hmm. So if, if if y'all can't be together, fine. That is not a pass to not be there for your children or for your community. There are two people. Some people don't need to be together anymore. You know, I'm a firm believer in that. Like some folks need to go their separate ways, but that doesn't give you a pass from being a father. And you don't you you don't get to, you know, just shrug off the responsibilities of your community either. Like being involved, I don't think you get a pass for that. When it comes to who you find, like if you want somebody or somebody else, you know, I'm not one of those people that can stand there and say because I've dated every kind of woman, damn near, to say that you're less committed or you're less this or you date somebody because you have self-hate or I date everyone for multiple reasons like almost someone's proximity like when I was in high school where I moved to and grew up I went from an area that was predominantly black to an area that was predominantly white I went to schools I was going to before there was like one white kid in the class then I got shifted over I was the only black kid in the class so uh, the high school I graduated from was 85% white it was 2% black and then just throw in all the miscellaneous for the others. So I ran with all Mexicans my high school years. Mm. I was around with Mexican girls. Mm. And inadvertently, I dated a bunch of Mexican women. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, just it, it wasn't even like my graduating class. It was me, one other brother and three black girls. And two of them were biracial. Mm. Like, it was just <laughs> and I didn't I click. And I didn't click with them three. Yeah. So it was like, you know, so I get the proximity and. I still think that if you get somebody who's who's not black, similar to now, I it doesn't give you a pass from the community. Yeah, you know you can have whoever you want, yeah. who you click with, who you vibe with, whatever, but you don't but get you a pass. But you still need to of, understand black issues still affect yes, you. Yes, you, you're I not guess, exempt. And I guess that's where my stance have been like, well, I mean, you got white, especially white and black. It's like, okay, so how do you guys have a conversation at the dinner table with all this shit going down? I can understand other cultures because. I think we've all outside of white have been touched with white supremacy, even though white folks have been touched with their own supremacy yeah, of themselves. Yeah. Um, it's a different kind of lens, right? Yeah. But it's beautiful with black love because there's so many different, um, you know, like just so many different shades of it, right? Yeah. I mean, just it's just, it just beautiful. And when brothers say to me, I don't date black girls. I was like, huh? Yeah, that to me. That shit, that's, that's the thing that that's a bothered flag. me. That that's to me is flag. That's a flag. Like, um, you know. Never tried. I understand if when you vibe, because you've tried and it just, it's just not the vibe, like you said, you've grown up, because I've grown up with a lot of white folks. Yeah. But then I had a lot of black friends at the same particular time, yeah. right? So when I, you know, came from New York and we went to the Bay Area, my father unfortunately put us right in a, in a place where it was um, a, predominantly whites. But I had a whole lot of black friends. But I never forgot that one, I'm Haitian and I'm black. I never forgot those things. Yeah. So me having a, a mother uh, of my child that is black, I mean, that's not an odd thing. Me dating black women, right? That's yeah. not an odd thing. But I've dated others. I've dated Mexicans. I've dated Latin, um, um, Spanish. Uh, uh, the same thing. I've dated um, what Indian. I've no. dated you know Asian. I've dated a whole bunch white girls as well. <laughs> so I know <laughs> a lot. Uh, so I understand what the mechanism is yeah. and what I draw to and what um, attracts me and what I can be in line with, right? Yeah. But I will never ever say one. Ah man, you know I just don't date them if I don't know. Like, and and then if I'm the same skin color, saying that that just sounds ignorant. Yeah, that's where I look at it. I don't mind you dating whatever and whoever you date. It is what it is. I don't fight those battles because I think those battles are meaningless. It's just what you said to your point. I don't give a shit who you're dating. If you're black. You dating a white girl don't get you exempt for black issues. Exactly, because that that's the thing where I because I've heard all the rhetoric of uh, if you uh, 
if you date a non-black person, let's just stick with men. If a black man dates a non-black woman, uh, you hate your mother. Uh, you know, you 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 hate yourself. Uh, you've got all the, you know, what I'm saying, you, you, you all these issues. Okay. And like I look at the last woman I was involved with was Native American, mm-hmm. but the woman before her was black. So if the so if the last one was I hated my mother, I didn't I didn't love myself, I didn't love my community, but then I did. But the girl before her was Colombian. So then I hated my mother again. I wasn't down my you know what I'm saying? But, but the one before her was black. So this I, I was back on board with my mama. Yeah. Like so to me those things are like I don't hold on to those. Who you fall who you were messing with? Most cases, unless you put her in front of me, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So if, if the person if the man who stands in front of me is about his community, he's about he, he's a dude, yeah. that's a stand up dude, solid dude to me, then all of a sudden you introduce we've had a bunch of brothers who come to do different events. Then I meet their significant other. <laughs> You'd be like, Oh, hmm. okay. Alright. Alright. But I was already on board with you yeah. for what you brought to the table for what we were talking about. But the reality to me is I think some of that shit be falsified. And that's what I be having an issue with. Like y'all got that you talk that, but y'all don't really walk that. And that's my problem. Brothers, especially here in Sacramento, this is like the biggest I can front city ever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I've, I've watched too many characters. You can be whoever you want to be inside. Yeah, I've watched too many characters and clowns, right? And when authentic and real comes where cats can feel your pulse and now check you because other folks have not done that because cats will just stand in line and just be okay with it. Like to me... That does nothing for me. You yeah. do nothing for me when you say, oh, well, ah, man, power to the people and these white crackers. And then it's like you got yeah, a see. cracker as your girlfriend, as your wife. And I'm not knocking that because my cousin has a white girlfriend. I'm not breaking all that dick down for this episode. But what I will say that she better realize and understand her privilege and understand who you are and never move from that and she better be fighting with you into this struggle or you can just be like some of the average negroes and just do what you usually do yeah i'm black but i'm gonna move over here and not worry about the black issues because it really doesn't affect me yeah see my one of my brothers his wife is white and she is very very well aware that she has black sons Mm -hmm. You know, like regardless of, you know, what she what she sees when she sees in the mirror and when she looks at her children and she sees bits of herself in them, you know, like, oh, he's got my nose or he's whatever, whatever. She recognizes her children. One of my nephews is he got a damn near 18. I got him six, three. Look like Russell Wilson. Mm. You know, like when he when he walks the streets, this is a grown ass man. Yeah. And he's been a grown ass man for three years. Yeah. Like when they see him on the street, they don't say, oh, look at that black boy. That's a black man. That's yeah. a grown ass man. Mm-hmm. You know, my other nephews are with the babies, the smaller ones. They're big already. Uh, my brother's wife is like six feet, six one, mm. like a volleyball player or something. My brother's big. And so they, they're raising big old babies. These are going to be some big, you know, men and women in the world. And she recognizes she's married to a black man and she has black kids. And you can't be separate from these black issues. So she's not the type that you'll ever see her with a dashiki and, and doing all. She's not one of them, but she is very mindful and very aware of the situation that her family leaves the house and has to deal with. She can go out by herself, and it's a different world. Yeah. But she recognizes when any of her babies or her husband leave the house, what it is when she gets out there. I think that if it's, I get what you're saying, the dudes who, uh, what was that? Uh, I'm going to get you, sucker. Dude was talking about all that. Yes, black this, black mm-hmm. that. Then all of a sudden, showed up with the blonde hair wife and blonde yeah. kids, and, and was the reverse. I, I I get that. If if you found somebody that you find that you in love with that you vibe with, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and the fake stuff, I I get that. For the dudes who we've met or that I've met with you that are a little, whatever. Uh, Niggas are questionable, dog. If you do what you're here for. Like if we if we're having a conversation where we're gonna talk about economics yeah. and economics is is your wheelhouse. Yeah. That's what you're good at. And you're here's some plans that we can help rebuild the infrastructure of the black community and economics fine. And that's what we talk about, and your plan is sound, I'm straight. Yeah. If you go home and start talking some other stuff, I don't care because you facilitated the yeah. service that you were here for. Yeah. That's kind of how I am. I'm kind of different because <clears throat> I, I can't it's almost like you're smiling in the face of black folks because they're at your job and you work with them, but yeah. you're racist at home. 
I, I, I can't flow. I think maybe because I accept that that's how a lot of folks are. And I get so that. that's why I'm like, I just, I just, <laughs> I just think in a task of I like, rather just have you not around me. And like I say, this does not close the doors of you know interracial dating, whatever. Because I've done it before, so I'm not gonna knock it. It is what it is. You love who you love. They love you. You vibe. Mm. Boom. Oh, you can't. Nature is nature, right? Yeah. You know, beautiful people are beautiful people. I don't exist in a world, even though I am very much black and black i don't exist in a world that i just want to see a whole bunch of black people i just exist in a world that i truly want to to be um judged by my character right yeah. judged by who i am as a human being not as my color <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. and at the same time my folks having just the amount of of um opportunities and just amount of businesses and things and growth and equality as they like to call it yeah. as anybody else that's my thing I don't mind going to an Asian restaurant as long as I know I can go to about five black restaurants, right? Yeah. Because you here in Sacramento, we have to really search for these black restaurants, yeah. allegedly, right? Yeah. And the quality compared to uh, the quantity is is very much a questionable. So, me as a, a man looking on the outside, looking in, I judge folks on what they show me not what they tell me yeah and who they really are in principle not this parade because it's all good to talk that black shit when it's time to talk that black shit but do you live that black shit and that means that if you have a latino wife you have an asian wife you have a white wife like motherfuckers know and if you are a dominant male you're gonna feel that residue yeah you understand what i'm saying and that's just it man that's it man i think that it's important that we have these conversations i think that you know where we're at now is because we've gotten into a can't nobody tell me nothing kind of environment. You know where where I should just be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Can't nobody tell me nothing, and then that closes dialogue, that closes conversation. When somebody starts to say something to you, folks get defensive. Like and then there's no growth. Yeah. Like I said I, I think that for us to start you know closing ranks and, and tighten it up some of this home structure some of this community building and all that it's going to require us to have some uncomfortable conversations yeah it's, and one, one, one and one of those things i feel like is uncomfortable as a conversation is i just wanted this kind of before you know how many, much time we got for the show uh, we, we, we 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 deep in the fourth we about the two minute warning with two minute warning yeah i had the damn in two minute warning because <laughs> i just wanted to touch on it the brother fredro um santana yes um passed away 27 year old brother from chirac uh rap artist was um nationally known on a level because of Chirac but never came out with a major um um album yeah but was definitely well renowned in the hip-hop circle right yeah. and his his um passing has caught national attention because the fact of lean he was um drinking he was on that lean on that bs and it messed up his his, his kidney and things of that nature um unfortunately he had understood his addiction and he got off of it and it was from what it says he was uh you know he was three months clean but because of the abuse of it he started getting seizures and all this different stuff yeah. so he passed away uh, due to a, a, a massive seizure things of that nature the thing that i want to say he's a cousin of uh, chief keep is the unfortunate choices of of what we do that become our now addiction our addiction our choices become addictions yeah. instead of it really being an addiction and i look at that framework of this 27 year old man i hope is a lesson to a lot of these young people um i know mozzie's come out with a lean challenge of kicking off the lean it hopefully resonates to people that these drugs are our destruction yeah they are not made for us to live a healthy life um Rick James died early. Why? It wasn't because he was clean and sober at 50 some years old. It's because he was doing so many drugs for 30 years. For 30 years <laughs> that it eventually caught up to him. Yeah. What I'm saying is, young people, though you're young, you're not Teflon. Your body is still your body. Um, your body is your temple. And this 27 year old brother should be a a call of action to say this destructive behavior, destructive destructive lifestyle. Is not about addiction, not about the PS. What it would well the uh, PTSD. PTSD that um some of these brothers face because we've all faced that PC that 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 piece right PTSD. Yeah. Uh, thank you because 
being black in America, you face it every day. You got some, yeah. Doing drugs to um, wear that down or to, to try to pretend it's not there, it's not going to help anybody. And all it will lead is to a life of destruction and early death. And it's unfortunate that he had to pass and be a a a a a a, a, a example of what could be. But I hope that folks get the wake up call, right? Yeah. And say that just because it ain't happened to me now doesn't mean it can't happen to me. So please, young people, stay away from them goddamn fucking drugs, man. They're not meant to be in our bodies. They're not meant to be um, you know, moved in our on our in our in our, in our, our bodies like that. That's why I've given up alcohol altogether. I'm like, I don't even want it. Nah, I'm good. Because I want to preserve my life. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So and then we also have to watch about how marijuana is now legalized in a lot of states. This marijuana is going to be totally different from what it the marijuana is. was. We, we don't have to do a whole show on that because yeah. this is not your daddy's weed. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just wanted, because I know we almost close. I just yeah. needed to touch on that because though it's tragic, I also believe that the choices created the tragedy, yeah. right? And I don't want to call what choices are is addiction. It's because um, we all have to be in our place to see Am I condoning behavior? Because if, if it was because a brother was going through so much trauma, I get that. But that would be behind closed door. You were celebrating this. These brothers are celebrating these drugs. They, they are creating these songs. I mean, even Lil Wayne, who's done and dealt with some of the same kind of situations that um, um, Santana has. He's even said, I made the kids start drinking lean in a rap song. Right. It's just yeah. like we're advocating it. And we can't, dog. We can't. We can't. We can't. We gotta tighten up the ranks. So we gotta we gotta come home. We gotta start doing stuff that that we should be doing, not just doing everything that we could be doing. That's looking out for our own personal health. That's making sure that we're straight, and that's looking out for the for the man and woman next to you, and make sure that everybody's all right together. Uh, where can folks find you online for more riveting conversation and information like this? Barry Axis on Facebook. Barry Axis on Twitter. I'm still off Twitter. I, folks, I forgive me. I'll be back on this shortly. At um, team at team void for IG and then black blueprints with a z.com. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Everything else is uh, at J Morris CEO. It's been Say Something Podcast. I'm Jermaine here with Barry Axis. Yes, sir. <laughs> and until next show, we will holla at you later. Peace.